right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time for that. Alright? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Yo, and it's a Friday. Which Friday. Makes it better. Woo! Fridays are always good, but also that means that we are officially three weeks out from the start of KU football. Wait, how many? Three. What? Trace. That's insane. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I think trois. You know, everything I said last week about how there's no difference between four and three, wrong. Three feels way closer. (laughs) Way closer. I'm excited for it, and uh, we'll have our live show at Big Mail leading up to it. We're going to be giving away all sorts of free stuff at Big Mail, so... Uh, should be a lot of fun. RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. We also have a KU mailbag at 340. Any last minute questions, hit us up at RCST1320 on Twitter. We have one final regular season RCST football trivia matchups coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Uh, Jayhawk football rewind and our KU football superlative segment. Also KU football audio from uh, the running back room for today. So three weeks out from that first game, KU Missouri State. Three is the amount that, of conference wins that's awesome. that KU had last year. Now, uh, it was Shane Jackson who pointed this out. Um, I don't remember exactly what book was offering this, so I apologize for that. Okay. But that the over-under being set right now on KU for conference wins is three and a half. Wow. Which is the same number they had last year. So thoughts? Well, I mean, they had three last year. So if they go to three and yeah, a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So same three range, and a half. I, I meant. Yeah. So it's not the same. You lied. You are lying okay, I'm sorry. to the good people that listen to this show. Anyways, uh, I mean, okay, let's go through the schedule. You have BYU at home. You have UCF at home. You have Texas Tech at home. Those are three games that I think you could make the case KU has a good chance of trying to win. There's three conference games right there. You have Iowa State on the road, which suddenly looks like you know, it might be a walk in the park. Or I, I don't even know if Iowa State's going to field a team. I mean, everybody's getting busted for gambling. So who knows what's going on there. So maybe you can win that one on the road. Boom. There's your four. Problem solved. Case closed. So you're saying over. I actually, um, we'll, go, we'll go through our game-by-game picks uh, once we get to, like, the actual week of the season. I actually, in my predictions, I have Kansas winning over the three and a half. What, now, what they haven't won more than the three. Since Which 2008. Four? Is it the same four that I picked? Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I'd have to go back through it. But, um, Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Good. Yeah. So I actually had them winning five, to be honest. They can win five because yeah. I listed four, and then you have Kansas State at home and Cincinnati on the road. Yeah. And who knows what Cincinnati no, is. I, ha- I have them going seven and five. I actually have them losing to Illinois. So that's where it kind of made up. But anyway, um, I think that's a number you can get to, but if you do at least, if you can at least get to the three, yeah, you're at least in range of a bowl game because then at that point it does come down to, okay, did you win both Illinois and at Nevada and Missouri State? And then at that point you're still making a bowl game. The Illinois game is going to be tough. It is going to be a coin flip. But we'll see if Kansas can can surpass that mark of three because, again, that would 
be the most that they've had since like the Orange Bowl. Season. Yeah, because I mean the three they had last year was the most or the year since, after since then, right? Since yeah, two thousand two thousand eight probably. Well, yeah, they've had other years where they've had I think two maybe. Um, Is that true? That's a good question. I don't know that that's true or not. Yeah, I don't know. It might I mean, be prior one. to last year, the most amount of win- conference wins they might have had in a season was one. Since 2008, 2009. Yeah, so 07, obviously, the Orange Bowl year. Yep. You 08, won all but one. Insight Bowl. 08, Insight Bowl. You went 4-4 four and four in conference play. Yeah, every year since then, between 2009 through 2021, was one or zero. Yep. For conference games. Yep. Yeah. And mostly zero, by the way. Yes. One, two, three, four, five occasions where it was zero. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they can get back to that mark, if not beat it, yeah. from a year ago. It's definitely I mean, like possible. I just said, you have you have three opponents at home that you feel like you are should be at least coin flip games. Mm-hmm. BYU, UCF, and Texas Tech. Now, if you do then, lose to Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas State, that makes those numbers a lot harder because then you're going to get to four. We'd have to go four and two the rest no, of the way, right? No, I know. I know. But you, you have three games at home that you feel pretty good about KU's chances at home. You throw in Iowa State, which suddenly looks like, you know, you might be able to just stroll in there and get a W against this against uh who knows, whoever they're gonna be rolling out. I don't even know. Uh and, but listen, you know, I don't I don't wanna go too crazy with that though, because going to Ames for KU in recent history has been like going to Happy Valley. There was the, was blasted. it 2019 where they almost beat them in Ames? Was it 2019? Mm, yeah, I think it was. Maybe. It was I like 41-31, but it was uh, it was, it was a one-score game. think about their game. last two trips. No, I think 2019, 2019 was one of them. Yeah. Oh, okay, so 2021 they got blasted. Yeah. And then the time before 2019 they got blasted. That was The Probably. time before 2019 was the year that they, they, yeah, had, that they had like, they had like zero 20 yards. yards. Yeah. Yeah. They lost 40, or 38-0, 40, 43-0. Yeah, that hasn't gone well. So I don't want to just I don't want to just sit here and be like Ames W. I don't want to go that far. No, I don't either. But it's looking like it should be a much easier game than maybe you might have thought, because Iowa State might not have a team. <laughs> so you have that going for you. The Cincinnati road game remains the biggest wild card. It's the last game of the season. Number one. Number two. We don't really know what to expect from Cincinnati. I mean, they they're consistently getting picked lower than KU. They're yep. getting picked in the bottom two or three of the of the conference. With a new head coach, a lot of turnover, but we, it's it's hard to gauge, you know. Plus, it's the last game of the season. Year three for Lance Leipold and the staff this year, so that represents the number three. Not here. if you ask them, they might yeah, tell you two, year two, two and a half, right? <laughs> I think it was was it Andy Kolnicki that said it was year two and a half. Well, he was saying like year one was actually year zero, but people don't view it that way. Oh yeah, which yeah. would actually make this year two if we started with year zero, you know? No, starting no listen. Starting with zero and anything like this, stupid. You start with one. Why? Because it's the first. What do you mean? Why? It's the first one. But technically, you are zero. No, like no, when no, you were no, no, born. No, no, no. When you no. were born, you were zero years old. No, we had this. Remember? Okay, do you remember the story out of South Korea, <laughs> where they started a when you're born, you're one or yeah, whatever. And that was wrong. <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> that was their fault. For those that don't know, you should look that up. It's yeah. a wild story. Basically, in South Korea, for the long and I didn't even know this. And for the longest time, with like you didn't get a birthday. Everyone's birthday was just the first day of the year, and they did that for like a long time. 
Everybody was super happy. That was that was probably a super productive work thing because it was like we don't have to worry about people like asking off for work or being off a day because it's just like everybody <laughs> just gets the same day off. It's just official birthday. Today is birthday for everyone. I just, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyways, back to KU. Yeah. So your three of Lance Leipold. This the narrative last year was, or okay. So let's let's go back. Let's rewind. The first year, this the narrative was. Hey, we were trying to still evaluate while also like in the season, so it was just kind of you know not great, right? Then you have a full off season. And the narrative last season was had a full off season, had a full real spring, a full real fall camp. Things are looking good. What happened? Six and six bowl game. Now you have another year, and you have a lot of those guys back, a lot of the same pieces back. Ten of eleven on the offense, however many on the defense, and you would think that that would lead you to then being able to take the next step. But what does that next step look like for KU? Does the next step look like they go 6-6, six and six, but maybe they're better in some ways? Or they get more wins? I, I don't know. But this, I mean, I think if we, if we rewind back to when Lance Leipold was originally hired, everyone expected the first year to be bad. Mm-hmm. Everyone, and most people expected the second year to be better, but not a bowl game. So if we were if we were to go back, we would be heading into this year thinking, okay, this is the linchpin year for the Lance Leipold staff. This is their year to like prove they're taking the next step. If if we go along with what people thought would happen, right? People thought first year would be bad. People thought second year you you predicted three wins. Most people yeah. were predicting two three wins, right? If you get that many wins, this would have been the year where you're like, okay, put up or shut up, Lance Leipold and staff. Prove that you're not just going to be another KU coach that flounders. Prove it this year, right? Well, they don't have to really worry about that now because that already happened. Like they already, they already, they just increased the timeline by one year. But if you still want to go along with that timeline and still think that this is a year where it's a make or break year for them, or it's a year where they could make a huge step, you just accelerate that and say, "Hey, is this a year you can get eight, nine wins? Is this a year you can compete in the Big Twelve title?" I mean, is that crazy to to kind of frame it that way? No, it's not. And. If we do go back to the idea that this is technically year two because year one was like year zero since they didn't get to be there for the spring, if you look most recently over the the most recent course of time, maybe in you know the older days it did take it was year four, year five, year three or something that was the biggest. In recent college football, you look at the new hires that are made. It's usually year two that those schools make the big jump. It's usually year two that you know if you have something with this coach. Now, maybe that jump was last year. Maybe because last year actually was year two from a standpoint of them coaching during the season. But if we go back to the idea that year two is your biggest jump, and if this year you do want to count as year two because year one was year year zero, then that means there should be another jump forward from the team, right? So we'll see. We'll yeah, see how that, that goes. combined with the fact that you just have so many guys back. Yeah, for sure. That you could make that step. Uh, KU was also plus three in turnovers last season. There's also the amount of interceptions Kobe Bryant had. Yeah. It feels low, does it not? That does feel low. Yeah, it feels low. And the plus three feels, mm, I guess, maybe about right. I don't know. It feels like they didn't force a ton. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, guess I feel like true. they didn't have that many as an offense. No, I don't. I mean, they had a lot of fumbles, but yeah. they recovered a lot of their own fumbles early on. And then they did turn into turnovers a little bit later on. But no, you're right. I mean, what? Jalen Daniels didn't throw hardly any interceptions. No. I think four for Bean. him, four for Bean, yeah, so eight yeah. total. So that's very, very manageable. Mm-hmm. I was just looking up stats from uh, for sneak peek, K. Milbeck question. 
Matt Ryan threw 19 interceptions with Boston College. He was a Heisman candidate. 19! What are we doing? I think Jameis Winston had like 20 the year after he won Heisman. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Well, he had the famous 30 for 30 in uh, with the Bucks. That's right. <laughs> he was he was destined for 30, it. Uh, 30 and 30. What does this number have to get to for KU to reach eight or nine wins? At least more than three. <laughs> Four or five. How about five? We'll say five. I'll say I think five. it's got to be more than that. You think it's got to be more than five? I think it's got to be like seven or higher. I don't know. So even some of the best teams in the country don't always have that high of a turnover margin. Yeah, usually the the best. Um, well, the Alabamas and Georgias not necessarily because they don't need to. But like I think last year was Middle Tennessee State. I could be wrong on that. It had the best turnover margin. It was like a plus twenty something. Yeah. Well, remember KU had a plus twenty. Yeah, like a plus, what year was I it? It was like a plus fifteen. That was the year they crushed Rutgers. Twenty uh, eighteen. Something like that. Um, yeah, so I think it, I would say five. I don't think it needs to be that crazy, but I mean, think about it this way. If you, if you're KU, if you're the offense and you don't USC turn the ball over. USC was plus 22 last year. Really? How about that? Wow. If you're the KU offense and you don't turn the ball over that much and we expect that for one of the metrics for the KU defense to possibly be better in, they need to force more turnovers. If you go by that logic, then you would think that, yes, that number will get bigger. Yeah, season. I think it. I think it needs to be. Uh, if I'm just looking at Big Twelve teams, by the way, Duke was plus sixteen. Illinois, who they play this year, is plus fifteen. Last year, um, Kansas State was first in the Big Twelve. They were plus twelve. They had twenty four of them, and they turned it over twelve times. Uh, let's see, second in the Big Twelve. See, so Ohio State, Michigan are like plus eight. Cincinnati's joining. They were plus six. Oklahoma was plus six. TCU was plus six. So yeah, if you can get if you can get I think to if like you're five six. Five six range. I'd say six or seven. Yeah. But also I mean there's there's probably But again, less that's assuming the things. offense doesn't turn it over that much. Correct. Um three's the jersey number for Tanaka Scott and Melo Dotson. Thoughts on their impact? I mean, dude, Tanaka Scott, if you were if you just clipped out very specific comments from the preseason last year. You would have thought Tanaka Scott was going to the NFL. I mean, there were guys giving a lot of praise to Tanaka Scott. And then things kind of got derailed. So with a sort of clean slate, so to speak, of this offseason and coming into this season, what if he firmly cements himself as that fourth wide receiver and maybe even is like in the conversation with those other three guys of being that level of player? Is that crazy? No, I don't think so. And all it takes, too, is like, what if there... I mean, we, we heard Luke Grimm was baked up, banged up. What if there is an injury to the receiver room? Yeah. That opens an opportunity. And yeah. Tanaka Scott or one of these other receivers takes off with it, right? Yeah. So what if he fairly becomes that fourth guy? I mean, I mean, so you have Tanaka Scott, you have Doug Emelian. Is Trevor Wilson... He's still there, too, right? I yep. think. Mm-hmm. So one of those three guys, maybe it's Tanaka Scott, who firmly is that fourth option, so to speak. And then if there is an injury or maybe even he goes and, you know, is able to get on the same similar level as those guys. I, I mean, again, last year, the reviews of Tanaka Scott were just glowing. I mean, they were. there were multiple different coaches unprompted who were, who were saying that guy is an NFL type level player in terms of his body, in terms of his catch radius, in terms of what he can do. And then obviously the off the field stuff happened. And then that was that was kind of that. But. I think it was was it the TCU game where he had a he had that big reception against TCU. He was running a drag route and ran down the sidelines for like forty yards. Was that him? I thought he had a big one. Or was it Oklahoma missed. State? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> I remember Trevor Wilson having some big catches against Baylor. 
Okay. But yeah, I mean, there were flashes there. Like, yeah. the talent is clearly there. Yeah. Yeah, he's more of a wild card. Melo Dotson, it's just like, can you be stable? Can you be someone who is dependable? Yeah. Yeah. As a starting corner. Uh, three is the amount of total touchdowns that Tory Lachlan had last season. Are we sleeping a bit on Tory Lachlan's role? Yeah, Jonathan Wallace actually got uh, asked about him a little bit uh, in the in his during the media availability today, which we'll have that audio later in the show. And uh, the question was basically asked him of like, so Jonathan Wallace is the running backs coach. The question was basically, what, what, where does Tory Lachlan report to? Like, is he still a running back? Does he still do running back stuff, or is he more with wide receivers and? Jonathan Wallace is basically like, yeah, I mean, he still does both. They kind of view him as sort of that hybrid type player. And, you know, Tory Lachlan, is, his role is a role that 10 years ago coaches were in love with. I mean, yeah. everybody wanted to have a guy that was like a slot receiver, but you could also line him up in the backfield, right? So he's definitely very, very versatile. And he's the type, he's the type of player that I have no doubt that Andy Kolnicki has drawn up like a couple plays that involve him. Uh, if you remember, he was the Houston game, I believe, where he had that play on. I think it was was it a, it was either third down or fourth down that yes. they drew up for him uh, against Houston. It was like the trick play, right? It was yeah. kind of like the Philly yeah. special type of play, yeah, yeah, but yeah. going the other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have I have no doubt that there Andy Kolenicki has drawn up a couple plays that are going to involve him. So he, I guess, I mean, I have a hard time viewing him any, as anything beyond being like a gadget player, though, basically, or uh, you know, a guy that comes in and. Maybe he can trick a defense here and there, but but there's definitely a role for him, and I have no doubt that he will have some involvement in some plays. He last season played 126 snaps. If you look at the back half of the season, though, I mean he he played. I mean, he started against K State. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, so the Baylor game, which was the eighth game, he only played two snaps, and through the first eight games of the season for Tory Lachlan, he had logged double digit snaps just three times with a high of 13. But then from weeks 10 through the bowl games, the last five games, um, he logged double-digit snaps every week with a high of 16. It's not a gigantic difference, but it is an increase. Now, part of that could just be some of those injuries like the K-State game where you were yeah. without Kai Thomas, Savion Morrison, Devin Neal was a little banged up. Yeah. But like he, he performed well. He actually had really good grade in that Arkansas game. I don't know that he'll get like he obviously won't play as much as Devin Neal. He won't yeah, play I, as I mean, much I just don't Hyshaw. know how much bigger his role is going to be. Is there a chance he could be the third string? Uh, personally, I think no because I like Savion Morrison. Okay. <laughs> I have Dylan McDuffie th Duffy third. Yeah, that, that's the issue. Is like Dylan McDuffie would probably be the guy that would be supplant Morrison potentially. Yeah. So I again, I just I like. Lachlan and I like what he brings and I think there's definitely going to be some packages for him some roles for him I just don't know that he's going to get a bigger role than he had last year I don't see how it happens I think it'll be slightly bigger than last year he's just such a trustworthy dependable player but yeah I don't think it's many more like if if he 126 snaps through 13 weeks that's basically 10 a week it's probably going to be maybe 12 this year um, I actually kind of think he might be ahead of – it wouldn't shock me if he was ahead of Savion Morrison on the depth chart. But that Savion gets more carries because he is more of a situational player that you can use those situations game to game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but I like Tory Lachlan. He's a very trustworthy player, and uh, I, I think winning teams have to have those types of players, and, and they have them. Well, they have one with uh, Tory Lachlan. All right, we're going to take a time out here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. we got a KU mailbag coming at you in the uh, later this hour, and then we got some RCST football trivia after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. We haven't done a KU mailbag in a few weeks. We've been uh, busy with trivia and stuff, but we have an opportunity today, so I'm, I'm sorry we've kept that from you, Nick. 
I'm sorry. That I know we, it's my favorite yeah. segment, and we just honestly, I, I honestly, I feel bad because I just kind of forgot. Really. Wow, so it's your favorite, and you just forgot about it. <laughs> wow, I have a bad memory. <laughs> okay, I just forget stuff. All right, well, uh, well we're back. thank you to everybody for submitting questions, and uh, if you want to hit yes. us up with, you're the best. Yep, any, all of you are the best. Any last second questions at RCST thirteen? We did get one more. Did you see it? We got another uh, right before the buzzer. Oh, we it? did. Yeah. No, I did not. I will have to. Do you have it? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do that one first? Since I did not see it. Uh, we can. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Austin Jayhawk, are you hearing anything new about the stadium design? Anything you are watching as part of the announcement on Tuesday? Uh, so no, the answer to the first part of that, but the second part of that is that you don't have to wait much longer for that to come out because Tuesday yeah. will be that announcement. Yeah. I mean, have, it sounds like Tuesday is going to be a pretty comprehensive. Yes. There's uh, going to be a coverage. big press conference with a lot of people there. Which, uh, by the way, I pulled Travis Goff, Doug you'll Gerard. You'll hear all that audio on Tuesday right here on RCST. Yes. So it's perfect. So, uh, stick around Tuesday because... I, I'm not going to be here Monday or Tuesday, but Nick's going to be airing all the yep. like press conference audio and stuff on the show, so it'll give you all the information you can need. So I could speculate about this or that with the stadium, but being that it's only three days away, uh, I don't feel like I need to. Yeah, I mean, like I said, so be, be, it, it feels like yeah. it does feel like Tuesday is going to be a pretty. Com- I mean, with the way they're hyping it up, I'm expecting it to be a pretty significant rollout of information about you know what the stadium's going to look like. I mean, I'm expecting I'm expecting renderings on mm-hmm. Tuesday. I think that's, at the very least, what yes. we should be getting, if not more, if not more than that. Yep. So, uh, we'll see. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens on Tuesday. Yep. Okay, uh, this one from Jayhawk for Life. Would you rather lose a toe or a finger? Okay, dude, this is the easiest question of all time. Toe. The answer is obviously toe. But your toes affect your balance. If anybody finger, you're psychotic, you're stupid, and you're just an idiot. Uh, toe is the obvious answer. I don't think it's that crazy to pick finger. No, it's definitely toe. I mean, it depends what finger. It depends what toe, obviously. No, I'll pick any toe over any finger. No, dude, if you lose your big toe, you're going to have zero balance. Zero. I don't care. You don't care about having no dude, balance? I can just get a little like nub and attach it to my big toe, where my big toe would be. That's not how that works. You know what I mean? That's not I how that works. I can just buy a shoe that fills the spot. No, that is not how that... They no. make that stuff. You know that, right? They make shoes where it's like... There's like it's like filled in where if you're missing a toe or something. I don't believe just, you. You don't believe me, Mm-mm. dude. The answer is so obviously toe. I'm Anybody who picks you. finger is just wrong. Like you're just wrong. If you pick like a, a finger on my non-dominant hand, maybe the pinky or something like that. It's always a story. We can always talk about it with people. No. Why'd this happen? With the toe, you're not going to be able to run right on it. It's going to cause all sorts of issues. I would pick the toe at the end of the day, but there are certain ones. If you were like, you have to get rid of your index finger, your pointing finger. Yeah, that would suck. That would be horrible. Exactly. But on That's the flip why the side, answer is toe. If it's like, or same with your thumb. But on the flip side, if it's like, okay, you can get rid of your, you know, I don't know, one of your last three fingers or something versus having to lose your big toe. It's it's the finger on the non-dominant Just hand. Just ask Jason Pierre-Paul. I'm telling you, I bet you if you asked him, he'd rather say he would lose some toes than some fingers. Okay. I'm just going to, that's all I'm going to say. Counterpoint, he didn't lose any toes and he still played a lot more years in the NFL. He probably a still could without still made toes. millions and millions of dollars. He but probably if he wouldn't have had the toes, toes, no, because if he wouldn't have the toes, he wouldn't be able to run fast. That's not true. You can still run without a toe. Uh, Depends. Make, could make you worse. Or you could be like Puka Williams and it makes you better. But Jason Pierre Paul. Puka Williams, counterpoint. Jason he has missing, he's missing a toe. Who's made more money in the NFL, Jason Pierre Paul or Puka Williams? Puka Williams ran way faster than Jason Pierre-Paul. But who's better? 
Jason Pierre-Paul. He ran faster. I rest my case. No, you're wrong. Cliff Kingsbury. Just Wait, kidding. really? No, oh. I don't know. This is just from Cliff. If Cliff I want Kingsbury it submitted us a question, that'd be awesome. <laughs> this one is from Cliff. I guess it's possible, but uh, Cliff. With a 12-team playoff, who wins it all in 2007? Okay, so we did a little background research on this, yeah. and we theorized what we believe the 12-team playoff field would have been. Yeah, we just based it off the BCS rankings, to be yeah, clear. Yeah, so we based it off the conference champs plus BCS rankings. Yes, which actually the top 12 in the BCS that year did include six conference champions, so we yep. didn't have to worry about it. Now, there were obviously more conferences than like the Big East with West Virginia. Um, I will say it would be a different selection process then than it would be now because... Different conferences. The resume, the conference, yeah. how they evaluate that is different than the BCS was. So it, it probably would be a little different than this. But basically, how that means is that you'd have Ohio State, LSU, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma would have first-round buys. Georgia would play Florida. Missouri would play Arizona State. USC would play Hawaii. Kansas would play West Virginia in the first round. Yes. Who would you have winning it all? Uh, So, I mean, I don't think Virginia Tech's winning it all. They lost to Kansas. I don't. I don't. I look at Georgia. Maybe Georgia from the five seed makes a run. I don't know. What do you think? That's the one for me. So that Georgia team, I remember that year. Um, and to be clear, I think I think Kansas. Whoever wins that that Kansas West Virginia game in the first round is the eight nine. Doesn't play Ohio State. I think honestly they could have beat that Ohio State team. That was not one of those like incredible. Was Ohio Troy State Smith teams. though that Ohio State team? No, that was uh, the year after. The oh, Troy Smith team. Okay. This was the Ohio State team that had, uh, oh gosh, was it like Craig Krenzel or something like that? Or was that the O2 team? Um, they lost to that Illinois team that ended up getting smashed in the Rose Bowl. They lost by 14 to LSU in the uh, the national championship game. It was a really good Ohio State team, obviously. They made the national title game. But it was not like an overwhelming one. Todd Beckman was the starting quarterback. He had 25 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. Who? Yeah, they had Chris Beanie Wells. Do you remember oh, him? Oh, I remember Beanie he Wells. Was the running back. That's no, a dude, great name. Beanie Wells would have ran for so many good. yards. Yeah. Uh, Brian Robisky, Brian Hartline. Two so solid have, receivers. They have James Laurinaitis. James Laurinaitis, yeah, yep. Yeah. Marcus Freeman. Dude, James Laurinaitis. Oh, wow. That's the Notre Dame coach, Marcus Freeman. Oh, wow. Dude, James Laurinaitis on NCAA football like 07 or 08 was insane. He yeah. Was like 99 overall, like 88 speed. You could just spear anybody you wanted. Dude, I this defense is legit. Laurinaitis, Marcus Freeman. You had Malcolm Jenkins, who spent time in the NFL. Vernon Golston, who was like a top 10 pick. Cameron Hayward was on this team. Wow. That's a really good defense. Uh, so anyway, that's a really good team. But I actually think that the West Virginia team or the Kansas team, again, that Illinois team yeah, with kind West of a Virginia dual quarterback. West a lot of points. Yeah. Could have given them possibly trouble yeah. in that round. But yeah, Georgia to me is the one that would have won it. Georgia by that time in the season was arguably playing as good of, if not better, football than anybody, but they struggled early. So they opened up the season beating Oklahoma State by 21. Then they lost to South Carolina um, by four points. Beat Western Carolina, beat Alabama. They ended up uh, falling to 4-2 and two after a road loss to Tennessee. After that game, they won their final seven games with all but one of them, so six of the final seven being by double digits. That includes beating Florida by 12 points, who was in this playoff year. That includes beating a top 20 Auburn team by they, 25. They blasted Hawaii. Yeah, they, bla they, be, I mean, they beat Hawaii in the Sugar Bowl by 31 points. And, and you might be wondering who are the players on that Georgia team, like who is the star talent. Uh, that was Matthew Stafford. So obviously they had so, the quarterback But that play. was probably what? Young Matthew Stafford, right? Um, This was... 
This might have been his last year. Oh, really? No, okay, this was his uh, sophomore year. Yeah, that's so he I had thought. one more year, and then he yeah. went number one. Because wasn't he number one in the 09 draft? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, Sean Moreno was the running back. Good. Thomas Brown was the backup. He was a good backup. Uh, he had Muhammad Massaqua. Oh, yeah, Muhammad Massaqua, yeah. Yeah. I don't remember if A.J. Green was on that team or not. I don't think I, I don't think he was yet. Uh, but they obviously had a really good defense, too. Like, Hakeem Dent kind of led the defense. They gave up uh, 20 points per game. So, I mean, I don't know. That team was really good. That might be my pick. Yeah, I mean, besides, I, yeah, I think, I don't think Ohio not State. Not Missouri. Not picking Missouri. Not Virginia Tech. I mean, LSU, USC, LSU won maybe? it, but I, I mean, I, would they win? I don't know if they would have won in a 12-team playoff. You have Oklahoma at number four. Does that do anything for you? No, not really. I don't think that Oklahoma, that was the Oklahoma team, Oklahoma team that lost to Boise, right? Uh, Is that wrong? Or no, no. Did no, they get crushed so. by West Virginia, maybe? No. Honestly, USC might be a sneaky one here, too. They're the seven seed. They lost a one-point game to Stanford. That was the game where it was like they were the biggest favorites like of all time that lost. Then they lost by seven on the road to Oregon. Um, actually, by the way, I'm glad I, I just found this with Oregon. Oregon would not have been in the playoff in this situation, but if Dennis Dixon would not have gotten hurt at the end of the year, that was honestly probably the best team in college football. That Oregon team was sitting at 8-1, and one, and they had beaten, to that point, their one loss was to a top-10 Cal team, which that's kind of funny to say. Uh, they beat a top-10 USC team. They beat that Arizona State team by 12 points. Dennis Dixon gets hurt on a Thursday night. He was the front-runner for Heisman. They were ranked second. They lose to Arizona. They lose to UCLA. They lose to Oregon State without him. Man. So they went from 8-1 and one to being this great team to all of a sudden losing down the stretch. Um, but yeah, USC. I don't know. How was much good of a chance would you know. give KU here? I would Probably, give a real chance. I mean, would they be able to outscore West Virginia? That's the question, man. I. That's such a tough matchup. If they can beat West Virginia, I actually, West Virginia. That, that's like the antithesis yeah. of the Virginia Tech team. I think they can beat Ohio State in, in an upset there. So I, I don't know. I think they could make a deep run. But I'd be going either Georgia, USC, or just going with the team who did win it with LSU. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, Trenton. I saw Jalen missed practice again today. What gives? I like how he asked. What, gi- <laughs> what, what gives, gives, man? Yeah, so, I mean, listen. There are certain injuries that are lingering injuries that are just kind of nagging. You know, lots of guys have them where it's just kind of they never really go away. And back injuries tend to be those types of injuries. So that would be the real concern with Jalen Daniels. So, it, it, you know, if you missed it or if you weren't aware – Monday, he misses with back tightness. Lance Leipold comes back to the press conference on Monday, says, hey, he had back tightness. You know, we're monitoring it. And then he comes back, and then on Wednesday night, they had a scrimmage, and Jalen Daniels was a, as far as we know, it was not open to the media, I don't believe. As far as we know, he was in pads. He was uh, participated in the scrimmage. And then now here we are missing practice again. I wouldn't read too much into it. I think the real concern here is if this does turn into something where it's like, a week a week to week lingering issue where like he may wake up one day and be unable to play and like you know whatever that's concerning because that means that basically any given game he might wake up that day and not be able to and not it might be unable to go that's that's concerning and that's uh, you know that's something to keep an eye on yeah so he didn't practice on Monday uh, I guess that means if he missed today but he did practice on Tuesday we saw some I guess stuff of that and that he was at the scrimmage that scares me more than if you were out for like three days straight. The fact that he missed a day, came back, missed yeah, again. Yeah, because it just means it flared up. Exactly. It means it flared back up. It means that... Which means that it could be a lingering, exactly. consistent problem. Maybe it's not getting much better. So that does scare me a little bit, um, especially as we've talked about before with some of the past injuries he's had. Also, though, we'll hear more from Lance Leipold and maybe he'll uh, go more into it 
If he doesn't, then and Lance Leipold said himself that if he's still talking know. about it in two weeks, it's concerning. Yeah, that's the, he literally said that. Yep. All right, this one from Ryan. Three weeks out from the first game, let's hear your three hottest takes for this upcoming KU football season. I think you know what one of mine's going to be. What? That Savion Morrison's going to have a role oh. and he's going to play a little bit and make an impact. Is that a hot take? I think if you need to make that a hot take, you need to add a little more. Okay, he's going to play Savion a little Morrison bit. Savion Morrison is going he's to have get, some role. You know, six plus rushing touchdowns. Oh, okay, see that's a good one. How about that? Okay, Savion like Morrison's going to get six plus rushing touchdowns. Okay, do you have any others? You got to get to three. Yeah, you get to three. Kobe Bryant will have six plus interceptions. Is that a hot take? I mean, it'd be double what he has last year, but Which, I, I by don't that standard, makes take. it a hot take. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. And then Jason Bean will have a kickoff return for touchdown. <laughs> okay, fun one to close. Uh, my number one, I will say this: if Jalen Daniels, going back to actually the last question, if Jalen can stay healthy this year. KU is closer to being a Big 12 title contender than they are a non-bowl team. Yeah. Okay. I agree. I'm fine with that. Uh, hot take number two. The defense will be markedly better. Mm. See, that's okay. I don't love that from you because Why? it's kind of a cop-out answer. Hmm. Because you could just, you know, cherry pick whatever you wanted and say, well, look, they are markedly better. Okay. You want me to put like a number on it? Um, yeah. Or I don't know. Yeah. You, yeah. I want you to say. I want you to say there'll be a top eight defense in the conference. No, I don't want to say. Here's what I want to say. I want to say this. They're going to give up less than thirty points per game. They only gave up. They gave up 35, 36. Okay. Maybe. That's a touchdown improvement almost. They had a touchdown improvement last year. You real? What? I'm just moving on. Okay. Okay. Uh, my third one here. They will have at least three NFL draft picks in 2024. Mm, I like that. Jalen possibility, Devin Neal possibility, Kobe Bryant possibility, Kenny Logan possibility, lineman possibility. Offensive line. Mitski Pooney, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe one of the receivers breaks out. Maybe Mason Fairchild. I don't know that any of these will be like first or second round picks or anything, but I think they got a shot with a lot of guys to at I mean, least if, get yeah, picked. Yeah, you have three guys in the fifth round. That's yeah. pretty good. Okay, uh, also from Ryan. Pick two players, one on offense, one on defense, from any other team in the Big 12 to add to this KU roster. Hmm. Dylan Gabriel? I'm, trying to think. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Are there, is, does any of these other teams have a really good pass rusher? That would yeah, be... so that's actually funny. I was looking before the show because I was thinking, I was like, who's the premier pass rusher in the Big 12? Like, there's no Tyree Wilson. I looked there's at no... three separate sites for NFL draft for 2024. Now that's, you know... Not everything, because there could be someone who's not draft eligible. Yeah. Not a single top eight player at a defensive end position on any of the three sites I looked plays at a Big 12 school. Wow. So that makes it that tough. Just a tough year makes for it tough. the... Because that would be the obvious answer, yeah. I think. There were a couple guys that popped up at number 10 on some of those lists that were different names from Texas. Here's the one I would go with, though. This guy can be a pass rusher, but the pass rushing numbers don't jump out. I think he's more of a defensive tackle, but he, he I think he might be switching to defensive end this year. He's got a great name. Dante Corleone. Oh. The Godfather. There we from, go. From uh, Cincinnati. He is a six foot two, 318 pound defensive tackle. And you look at the stats, they don't jump off the page because, again, he was more of a defensive tackle. He had 44 tackles last year, five and a half tackles for loss, three sacks, two forced fumbles, two for, uh, fumble recoveries. But also last year, he was like a redshirt freshman. So he's going to be a redshirt sophomore this year. Um, and he was also Pro Football Focus's highest-rated defensive player last year. Wow. He In was the country? Yeah, he was AP third-team All-American. He was Pro Football Focus. 
this doesn't make sense. Third team All-American. So they were like, you're our highest rated player. We're going to make you a third team All-American. Uh, I guess because he just played at Cincinnati. Yeah, I guess. AFCA freshman All-American and he was college football news freshman All-American. Sounds like he's going to break out this year. That would be the <laughs> one a, I would go to. Yeah, that's pretty option. Because I think, I think you'd have to look at the defense probably to add somebody. There's not really any elite linebackers. Uh, maybe you could look to add, you know, somebody in the secondary to where you just had the by far the best secondary, right? You add another yeah, corner, add another lockdown corner, yeah, add another lockdown corner. So the first team Big Twelve, there was like uh, there was a kid from Texas, uh, Kobe Savage from Kansas State was on there. Josh Newton from TCU is really good. He would yeah. be of interest to me. He's yeah. a defensive back. Yeah, Savage from Kansas State, Kendall Daniels from Oklahoma like, State. Because like obviously you'd add to the defense. I don't think you would. Okay, what about adding a linebacker? Johnny Hodges from TCU. He's really good. Jalen Ford from Texas. Jalen Ford would be good. Jalen Ford would be a good addition. Oh, TJ Tampa, the DB for Iowa State. He's good. Those make sense. Uh, what about on offense? Do you add another running back? Do you go Richard Reese and just have a, a stupid <laughs> dominant running back group? Um, no, I mean I, I, I mean. I don't know what I mean. What do you add on the offense? I guess another receiver. I feel good I about know. the offensive line, but it would be fun to add Cooper BB oh, Kansas State. Yeah, and also if if we're assuming that you're adding that player, takes him away from the so, other team. That's a positive. That's true. Yeah. Listen, I don't want to give too much credit to Kansas State dominant. here. Too much airtime to Kansas State, but Cooper BB, his nickname awesome. is the Dancing Bear, which I think is awesome. <laughs> that's great. I think that's totally that awesome. Great. That's the only thing I'll ever say positively about Kansas State on this entire show. Uh, no, if I'm not doing that, and this might actually be my pick, even if that is an option, which I guess it is. I can pick anyone. I'm going to go with uh, Xavier Worthy. Okay. The KU receivers are really good, but what's the one thing they're missing? The guy who can make a play yard after catch. That is yeah. the definition of Xavier Worthy. He'll yeah. take a receiver screen to the house. He'll take a slant route to the house. You add him, make the offense even more dynamic. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, this one from Scott. Please cast Rock Chalk Sports Talk the movie with roles including Nick and Derek. Mike so are we any notable picking thing. people to, to act to be I us guess. in the movie? I, I'll just say this. This is going to be a very boring movie. I don't know how many characters we're going to have. I'll just make it KU related. Um, I'll give, I don't know, should I? I'll give you Rob Bragle. Okay. I'll give I like that. myself, I don't know, Paul Rudd make more sense or would Jason Sudeikis? Oh, and I just get the the guy that's the the least notable of those three actors. No, Rob Riggles. I, I mean, he's endears himself most to the KU community, but that's he's true, also yeah. the most like kind of abashed personality. Okay, you know, you, you think that's me? Yeah, <laughs> most bombastic <laughs> of the group. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. Something like that. Uh, this one from Lane. I have Directv stream, and because of a, because of contract stuff, I don't have Fox or NBC. Therefore, I can't watch the World Cup and possibly the Chiefs game. What should I do? Okay, well, I know lots of people that have done this. You can go online. You can go to Best Buy and get them. You can get it at over-the-air TV antenna, yep. and you plug it into your TV, and you put the antenna near a window or whatever somewhere, and it will pick up usually your Fox, your NBCs, your ABC. Yeah, they're like HD channels. Yeah, too. They have, yeah, yeah. So it's like over-the-air channels. And you can get you can get an antenna. You can actually get it. I've actually seen it. You can get ones that are like it looks like a plastic like floor mat, but you stick it on the wall. That's you stick it on your mine. window. Yeah. You stick it up in your window, mm -hmm. and it, it and it you know you can get ones that have like a you know fifty mile range, hundred mile. But you can get Topeka stations. You can get Kansas, Kansas City. City stations. Yeah. Uh, and usually you can get one for between like about thirty bucks. You might spend a little more if you're mm -hmm. looking for. But they all that's that's what I recommend. Yep. Because it'll give you, it won't give you ESPN. It won't it'll give, give you, the you local channels. Yeah, but it'll give you the local channels, and that'll allow you to watch, you know, your NBCs, your ABCs, your Foxes, and your and your CBSs. Option two is just go to a sports bar, but that doesn't help you with Option the World Cup three because it's on it. Just three. Just off of your parents. If your parents have cable, just steal their logins. 
There we go. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our KU Mailbag. Thank you to everybody who submitted a question at RCST 1320. KU uh, football RCST trivia next. Just one trivia matchup on today's docket here with RCST football trivia. Nick Springer, Derek Johnson, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. After today, we'll be done with the regular season, and then we'll be on to the playoffs for next week. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery, Jayhawk Trophy, Johnny's Tavern, McDonald's, Mr. D's Auto Wash, and Lawrence Shirt Factory. Dine-in, carry-out, catering, all available with 23rd Street Brewery. You can try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney Turkey Stack, any of the other great menu items, and don't forget about 23rd Street Brewery's beer, which you can get to go with their Crowlers. So the matchup today is Blake McFarland, who is receiving votes in the latest top 10 against Ben Wilson. Both these teams are one and one. So both of them trying to get to two and one. But on top of that, both of them need to score high point totals to possibly win some of the tiebreakers. Uh, now for Blake, if he has a perfect score, he can win his division. If Ben can put up a I don't know, at least, I don't know, 21 points, something like that, that, then he can get into a wild card. So we need high-flying scores from both these guys to get into the postseason in addition to whoever ends up winning the matchup. But also keep in mind, uh, we made that rule that if you finish top 10 in the regular season at the end of this week, but you don't make the playoffs, you're still getting the $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. Uh, obviously, all 12 of our contestants who make the playoffs are getting a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery. Also, all 24 have entered this thing. You get an RCST football trivia t-shirt from Lawrence Shirt Factory, uh, a free McDonald's breakfast sandwich, and a free McDonald's small McCafe frappe. The eight who make the quarterfinals, $25 gift card to Johnny's, Mr. D's Auto Wash, free car wash, $14 value, one free small shake, free medium beverage from McDonald's, and one free lunch or dinner sandwich from there. Uh, final four members or the semifinal members get an RCST engraved water bottle or tumbler from Jayhawk Trophy, a $25 gift card to McDonald's, two in the title game, another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery, another free small shake, another free medium frozen beverage, and another free lunch or breakfast sandwich from McDonald's. The champion gets another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and a, a uh, trophy from Jayhawk Trophy. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by Jayhawk Trophy, custom awards and engraving experts in Lawrence. You can check out all their supply. It's not just trophies or plaques. They have all sorts of great stuff that they can get done for you on 6th Street in Lawrence or check them out online. Into our first and only matchup of the day. Our final regular season matchup is between Blake McFarland receiving votes in the top 10, Ben Wilson, who uh, was a mainstay in the top 10 a season ago. Both these contestants won and won this year. Blake out of the Johnny's Tavern Conference. Uh, and for Ben, he's out of the Neighborhood Porch Conference. Right now, both these guys need a lot of points today. Ben has six points. Uh, Blake right now has nine points. And if Blake can win and have a perfect score, he would actually win his division. But if Blake can win and score at least 17 points, he would have a chance at the playoffs. For Ben, you need a win today, and you need to score at least 20 points to have a shot at the playoffs. I don't even know if that mathematically is possible, but 21 may be a perfect score, which you got one of them last year, so uh, who knows? Maybe that can be in the case this year. Uh, nonetheless, Ben, uh, I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts headed into this matchup where maybe it is going to be tough to make the playoffs, but uh, are you still putting a lot of importance on trying to finish out the year strong? Yeah, you got to finish out the year strong. Hearing that I've only scored six points to, to the, this point is absolutely embarrassing. Uh, Considering last year, I felt like I had a good season. So this is just one of those things you got to win for pride. I got to hopefully put some points on the board. I didn't think postseason was even an option at, at this time. Uh, so maybe that adds a little more excitement to this kind of last 
try and get bowl eligible here at the end, maybe. Who knows? Yeah, Blake, certainly that, that first week is, is holding you back a little bit here, but um, your thoughts on your opportunity here today to, to still surprise some folks and, and make it into the postseason? I mean, look, Derek, if I would have uh, been able to play week one, it wouldn't be a matter of if I'll make a play where I'm at in the playoffs. Maybe. Um, so that's on me. That's frustrating. Um, but, you know, Ben's going to be a good opponent. Uh, we'll just see what happens here. I do think that dropping out of the rankings after you win is interesting, to say the least. So I'm just looking at you and Derek and all the voters. Like, what more do you want from me? I won decidedly in overtime. If KU wins the game in football, they don't drop out of the, the rankings. If they did, you'd be leading off on Rock Shock Sports Talk with that, Derek. So just want to throw that out there. Just something to think about that uh, there might be a chip on the shoulder mm-hmm. no i appreciate that chip on the shoulder and to be clear there are three voters so uh, i won't diagnose who voted where but um i will say this i i did have you in my top 10 and uh i'll also say this i've i've made this analogy before with the voting you know somebody could be number two going into the week and somebody could be number one in in, in your class if somebody has a 95 percent, somebody has a 94 percent, you get a 95 percent on the next test i get a 100 percent on the next test I'm going to actually jump you, even though we both got an A on the test. So who knows? Maybe the voters thought of it that way. Okay, nonetheless, uh, Ben, I'm going to give you the coin toss here. Do you want heads or tails? I'll do heads. All right. Uh, Tails it is. So, Blake, do you want to go first or do you want to go second? Go second. Okay. So, Ben, you're going to start things off in the first quarter play. Easy round. These ones are worth three points. Ben, your first question. How many total games... Did Kansas win in the 2021 season, which was Lance Leipold's first year at Kansas? Two. That's correct. They won two games in total for the year. All right, Blake, your first question is kind of a follow-up to that. How many Big 12-only games did Kansas win in that 2021 season, Lance Leipold's first at Kansas? One. That's right. And who could forget the one? It was at Texas in Austin off the Jared Casey two-point conversion grab. All right, it's 3-3 three to three through the first quarter of play. We're going to head to the second quarter of action. Medium questions, these are worth six points. Back to you, Ben. What was the what Mac school was the first team that Kansas beat as part of their magical 2007 Orange Bowl season? My mind goes to Central Michigan. Don't think we played Ohio right here. Toledo, though, actually. I think about it. Uh, Ten seconds. Okay. I'm going with Toledo. Give Toledo. You walked yourself out of the answer, unfortunately. It was Central Michigan. The correct answer there. Can't beat Toledo, though, Ben. All right. Blake, your medium question for six. What Big 12 North school was the last team that Kansas beat in the regular season as part of the 2007 Orange Bowl season? Okay, so they beat K-State, they beat uh, Iowa State. Iowa Iowa State is the correct answer. Yeah, you might think K-State off first. Obviously, it wasn't Missouri, but that one not going their way, and there's six points for a uh, Blake takes a 9-3 lead headed into the second half as we mark move to the third quarter this is worth uh, seven points for you ben who led the 2009 jayhawks mangino's final season at ku in tackles for loss and sacks with 12 and six and a half respectively 
Clinton had graduated the year before, or two years before that. Oh. 10 seconds. Mine goes to maybe a linebacker. I don't know why. Five. I'll go Mike Vera. The right answer on this one is Jake Laptad. Jake Laptad led the team in both of those areas. Okay. It is uh, nine to three. Blake, if you hit this question, you would secure a win here. And certainly those points would be rather helpful. All right, Blake, your question. Who led those 2009 Jayhawks, Mangino's final season, Mangino's final season at Kansas, in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns with 554 and nine, respectively? Hey, so Jake Sharp's on the team. I think James Sims might be on the team. I'm going to go Jake Sharp just because he's there. It's not him. What is that? It is not Jake Sharp, unfortunately. The correct answer on this one is Tobin Operum. Tobin Operum. Oh, Tobin Operum. Yep. Obviously ended up uh, being a bunch of different positions over the course of his uh, time at Kansas. All right, that keeps you alive, Ben, for an eight-point question here in the really hard round to try to move out in front. It is to 9-3, Blake, headed into the fourth quarter. Ben, your question. This Jayhawk offensive lineman was named All-Big 12 second team in 2011. Okay. Tanner Hawkinson would have been on the team in that range and was good. Played for the Bengals. 2011. Um, 10 seconds. My, my gut was right in the second round, so I'm going to go with Tanner Hawkinson. This one is Jeremiah Hatch. Jeremiah That's Hatch, right. the right answer. Yeah. All right, Blake. Well, this is do or die for the playoffs for you because uh, if you hit this question, you've already secured the win, but if you hit this question, you would be in a tie for total points with Aaron Mayer. Both of you would be 2-1, and one, so we would have to have a play-in game for the 12th spot, but you have to hit this to possibly force that opportunity. Here is your eight-point really hard question. This Jayhawk offensive lineman was named All-Big 12 Honorable Mention in 2011. Tanner Hawkinson. I'll take one bet. That is not Tanner Hawkinson. It is Dwayne Zlatnik. Dwayne Zlatnik, the correct answer there. So, Blake, you come through with the win, but just short of the playoffs. And uh, that first week missing those points, you end up eight points behind Aaron um, for the final uh, spot. But overall, 2-1, and one, you go 2-0 and oh in the matchups that, that you were here for. Um, I don't know. What, what's your level of emotion after this? Oh, I mean, I'm disappointed, Derek, right? Like, you, I'd rather win. Uh, you know, last year it was a good sign for me to get second. It resulted in a bowl game for the Jayhawks, so... Hopefully those aren't too correlated. Um, but, you know, if I uh, would have managed my time better uh, during my work day and kept my employer happy, I would have uh, been 3-0. and We've talked about playoffs, but, you know, Dwayne Zlatnik uh, is not a name I've heard in a long, long time. Uh, Jeremiah Hatch is, but, you know, I, I appreciate you putting on the contest and uh, I'll win it next year. I'm fully confident of that. We'll see what happens with basketball whenever you do that uh, in the summer for and we'll just go from there, Derek. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by Johnny's Tavern. In 2023, Johnny's Tavern is celebrating its 70th year anniversary. Good news for you because 
They're having all sorts of specials coming your way. Whether it's your original location in North Lawrence, your Topeka store, or any of your 13 locations, wherever your neighborhood porch is, the newest store even in Raymore, Missouri. You can try all the great food. You can try all the great beer, including the Blue Collar Lager, a beer you can only get at Johnny's that's brewed by Free State Brewing Company. So Blake comes through with the victory, and uh, he scores 18 points over a 2-1 and record. Now, uh, keep in mind, he was averaging 9 a game. I guess Ryan put up 10 in the matchup that he played against him that uh, ended up having to be kind of a forfeit for him. So, you know, I guess uh, just in theory, based off that, you could say that that he won that matchup. But uh, certainly if, if he would have been able to get nine points that first week, he would have been in the playoffs at this point with the tiebreaker of 27 points. Now, I will say the first week, the questions were harder than weeks two and week three. So there is no guarantee that he would have gotten nine points. Um, but still, we know Blake knows his stuff and uh, a good round for him to, to kind of finish off. Uh, with Ben, that was a tough go to, to kind of finish things out. So that means our playoffs at this point now have officially been set. We'll release an updated top ten. We'll release graphics with the, uh, the playoff picture, what everything looks like and stuff on our uh, Twitter page, at RCST1320. But this is how the playoffs will shake out now. The one seed will be Eric Hansey. The two seed will be Blake Farrell. The three seed will be Isaac Henderson. And the four seed getting the final first round bye will be Jackson Schneider. The fifth seed will be Skinner Wenninger. The sixth seed will be Ryan Goodwin. And then we have to still figure out which will be the seven, which will be the eight between Kyle Martin and Andrew Wymore because they have the same record, same amount of points. They didn't play head-to-head. It'll just be a scheduling thing where it depends on the schedule of the nine and ten seeds, uh, which we'll figure that out as well. Our nine seed is going to be Justin Nichols. Our ten seed will be either Garrett Hart or Brad Wandell. Again, same thing based on the scheduling uh, because they have the same record, same points, didn't play head-to-head. So one will be at the ten, one will be the eleven. And then our twelve seed, just making the cut, will be Aaron Mayer. RCST Football Trivia brought to you by McDonald's and Mr. D's Auto Wash. Hit up them in the Lawrence area or the surrounding areas. Same ownership here. You can get your car washed at Mr. D's Auto Wash in Lawrence. You can grab a bite to eat, snack, meal, whatever it is, uh, dessert at McDonald's in Lawrence. Uh, So that's going to do it for RCST Football Trivia for the regular season. Three weeks down, we'll have the first round of the playoffs. So 5 versus 12, 6 versus 11, 7 versus 10, 8 versus 9 next week. Week after, we'll have the quarterfinals, maybe the semifinals too, if not the following week, semifinals in the championship. And uh, that gives us, I think, maybe one more week of buffer if we have to, and uh, we'll get things determined as everybody is a prize winner here for RCST Football Trivia, which is also brought to you by Lawrence Shirt Factory. They have all sorts of great stuff already made that you can go check them out. They're right next to Munchers if you just want to get some cool stuff that they've got. Uh, But they also need new customized gear for you, whether it's shirts, polos, sweaters, hats. So get it done with Lawrence Shirt Factory. Um, They're providing us with our football trivia T-shirts that all the members of Trivia this year are getting. All right, for Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN app. Don't forget, if you missed any of our trivia from this year, whether it was basketball or any of the past three weeks of football in the regular season, you can find it in the best of RCST podcast, wherever you get any of your podcasts, and at KUSports.com. Back after this. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We get on to another edition of your Jayhawk Football Rewind, and uh, we're almost to the end of the regular season here. Our next yep. game is Texas Tech at Texas Tech in Lubbock. Yes, this was a game where, uh, okay, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think back exactly to my mindset. I mean, KU had just won against Oklahoma State. You knew they were going to go to a bowl. Well, more than likely. You knew they were going to go to a bowl. And I think there was a sense of just maybe, I, I, 
I don't I can't really speak to like internally in the program, but I think from the outside, from a fan perspective, it was hey, we got to a bowl. Who cares what else happens after that, right? Like you mm-hmm. still want to go out and try to win some games, but you got to a bowl, uh, very successful season already. And uh, you know, I I think I don't know. I'm trying to remember like after the Oklahoma State win, did that give you more confidence that KU could go into Texas Tech and win? Hmm. I think it did. I mean, Tech coming into this game was four and five, and they were two and four in conference play. You were six and three and three and three in conference play. So yeah, it wasn't and at all. This was a classic case of an opponent who had a quarterback who yeah. was injured, multiple quarterbacks that were injured, and nobody really knew what was going on. And then lo and behold, here comes Tyler Shuck, and he just turned into Cam Newton. Uh, by the way, Tech was favored in this game by three and a half, so they were slight favorites. But yeah, it was viewed as like a coin flip game. Um, and yeah, like you said, Tyler Shuck, that did not go well for KU. Uh, for the total of the game, both teams had over 500 yards of offense. Um, KU actually had a few more yards for the game. Neither could really stop each other. Both ran over each other. But there were a couple of reasons why KU lost this game, which uh, we'll get into. But yeah, I mean, going yeah. into the game, um, I guess I I just remember more so being on like a an uptick of, hey, they beat Oklahoma State. Like they're going bowling you can't hurt me at this point. You yeah. lose this game, it doesn't matter, yeah. really. Now, it yeah. sort of mattered. Like, every win from then on was going to be a cherry on top, which obviously that didn't end up happening. Um, also, though, I do think there was a small shot of, like, if, if they, they won win this, this game, game let's start title. talking. Yes. Yeah, let's start, <laughs> start talking about, not necessarily that they would win a Big 12 title, but could they contend to make the Big 12 title game? Because yeah. at that point, if you win this game, you're 7-3 and three with still a K-State still a K- game K- ahead of you yeah. that you could beat to try to leapfrog them for the Big 12 standings, and you had Texas where it was like, okay, prove it, right? Uh, obviously, didn't end up you know, being the case. And then uh, Jalen Daniels, it was like, is he getting close to return? But honestly, that conversation subsided a lot starting this week leading to the Tech game because you won the week before, and it was like, yeah. Yeah, just I think, get him rested. You're, I think, you got your yeah the with the Jalen Daniels stuff. I think a lot of the pressure about it revolved around the fact that like if there was the big discussion of him coming back because they hadn't got that sixth win mm-hmm. yet, right? Like that was the big discussion. Like could could Jason Bean get you the sixth win? And then there was a lot of anxiety about well if if they keep losing and Jason Bean doesn't look like he's going to get you a win, Jalen Daniels that all went away because you were able to beat Oklahoma State. Uh, and you're right, and I and I do think like I said from the outside perspective, from the fan perspective, it was a lot of great. Going to a bowl, who cares after this, right? Now yes. I'm sure internally in the program they were thinking, let's keep this going, let's let's keep racking up wins. But there, were, yeah, there was sort of that sense, and and that, and honestly, that doesn't take away from the fact that I think for a lot of fans this was still a frustrating game. Oh, 100 percent, um, and a game that you felt was very winnable. So what happened in the game? Uh, things did not start great. Texas Tech gets the ball first, go down, quick touchdown. But then you have a quick touchdown of your own. It was 7 nothing Tech, and you had the fourth and one, and that was the play to Jared Casey. That's one of, I think, a lot Jared of people's Casey favorite play. plays from the year. Yeah. yeah, If you would have won the game, it would have been even more that, favorite. Yeah, right? that plus the Daniel Highshaw play against Duke. Yeah, so 66 yards to Jason being on the fourth and one. So it ties at 7-7. Tech goes down, long drive, but you hold him to a field goal, which, you know, at this point with the defense having some struggles in and out, it kind of was one of those things where it's like, if you could just hold a team to a field goal, like you kind of feel good about it. So it's 10-7. to then you go down and you have fourth and 13 on their 24. And actually, th- this was kind of frustrating. You had a uh, third and nine at their 20, and you ran the ball on like a receiver run. I don't know if it was a screen pass that was behind the line of scrimmage or a jet sweep. Um, and you lost four yards. So instead of being able to go for it on fourth down, you had to kick on fourth and 13. And Jacob Orchilla missed a 41 yarder. So that obviously hurt. So now it's 10 to 7. Then Tech goes down, another touchdown, 17-7. Uh, KU gets stopped on downs. And at this point, then 
after Tech goes down, they get another touchdown. You're down 24 to 7 and you're like, "Oh man, maybe this just uh, you know, isn't in the cards for us." But as this team did all year long, they yep. fought back again. They go down, they get a uh, touchdown drive on a 7-play 77-yard drive, so it's 24 to 14. Tech then has to punt um, after a couple penalties and, and stuff. Kansas goes down again, scores with ease. Four-play, 73-yard drive that included a 63-yard run by Devin Neal. It's now 24-21. You stop Texas Tech on a fourth and two around the Kansas 41. And then it's like you have all the momentum. And then this is, again, one of those the, – the differences between Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean – it was just those one little small mistake, maybe two little small mistakes in a game difference were the difference in the game. You had a Jason Bean interception, um, which was the play. There was like a minute left in the There was like a minute yeah, left it was in the like half. 13 seconds. And you were thinking, okay, Kansas can go and maybe try to score, get a field goal, mm-hmm. at least to tie it at half. Boom, interception. And then what made it worse is still with 13 seconds, you then allowed a 35 yard pass play. That gave Texas Tech an opportunity, and they hit a 51-yard field goal. So, real quickly, with them adding three that you could have just not allowed if you would have handled maybe the time better or just not thrown the interception, in addition to you not making a field goal and you not at least getting a field goal on the drive you threw the interception, that's a nine-point swing right there at the very least, right? And it could end up being even more than that. Um, So, you're down 27-21 to at that point in time, and then you get the ball to start the second half, and you go down. You have a long drive. You get to fourth and nine at their 20-yard line, field goal blocked. Yeah, and that's a really frustrating one because I think maybe the biggest, like, when it comes to field goals, first, I mean, you didn't, even, you didn't even get the points, but, like, a field goal on a drive like this where it took you six, seven minutes to get down the field. It was 14 plays, 56 dude, yards, that is seven minutes. so demoralizing yep. as an offense to where you you had the ball for so long, you worked so hard, and to not come out with a touchdown is just so demoralizing. And it's one of those things where you'll it, obviously it won't show up in the stat sheet, it won't show up in any box scores. But that feeling, that sense of man, we just had a seven play drive and we have to get a field goal, and then it, you, didn't, you didn't even get the points. Yeah, right? you just so you just had the ball for seven minutes and it was nothing. You didn't yep. do anything. And so that's a twelve point swing if you add to the nine at the end of half a game that you lost by fifteen points, and that doesn't even account for the momentum part of it. So the two teams exchange punts. Tech goes down, 9-play, 79-yard drive, 33-21. KU punts again, Tech punts again. Uh, then KU comes out, and it's like, okay, it's kind of you know do-or-die time, under 10 minutes to go in the fourth. You're down 12. They ended up going to get a touchdown. It was that great play, Jason Bean on third and goal at the Tech 20, throws it, like the just rifles it in down the sideline to Quentin Skinner, who makes like a toe-tap grab. That was a really good throw and catch. Yeah, Probably uh, so, Jason Bean's best honestly, throw of the been. season, yeah. to be honest. 33-28's the score there. Tech goes down, and it's like, man, there's... You know, by the time Tech gets into Kansas territory, they're inside the red zone. There's, you know, four or five minutes left in the game, and it's like you have to hold them to three if you want a chance, and you did. To the defense's credit, they held the fourth and six. They gave up a field goal. So it's 36-28. You're within a possession. It's like, hey, maybe they can do something here. But on the first like play what, of the three, next drive. Yeah, there was like, what, three minutes left in the game, I think, at that point? Uh, 409. Okay. 409. Yeah. Jason Bean was sacked for a loss of nine yards, lost the football. Texas Tech scores within three plays. It's 43-28. Uh, Ethan Vasco comes in. You have an eight-play, 59-yard drive that doesn't result in points, ends on a uh, fourth down. But that's how you lose the game by 15. So if you went down the street mm-hmm. and said to somebody, hey, KU played Texas Tech, lost 43-28, what do you think their reaction would be? Last year, I think it would be like, oh, okay. So it's probably a pretty entertaining game, but, you know. Yeah. But the other, thing is, I, uh, the other thing is, and even like looking back at the box score, I maybe didn't even realize this, mm-hmm. 
Do you think most people would would guess of how many yards Devin Neal ran for in this game? No, not at all. I think like, this was the second them, highest of the year. Yeah, like if you ask somebody, they probably would have been like, oh, we lost the game. He probably ran for like, you know, 70, 80, maybe 100 yards. This dude had 190 <laughs> yards on the ground in this game. 7.9 per carry. He also had four catches in the game. He's good. By the way, this was uh, the one game where Kai Thomas had a Savion Morrison line. One carry, 40 yards. <laughs> I love that. Um, Lawrence Arnold was great in this game. Four catches for 110. Casey had the long touchdown. Fairchild had five grabs. Skinner had that Jason big touchdown. Jason Bean again was pretty yeah. great, except for the interception. Yep, you know? and the fumble. But I, I, so with this one, I have a hard time really blaming Jason Bean because you throw the interception late in the half. You know, There's less than 15 seconds left. You don't expect the defense to go out there and let Texas Tech get a field goal out of that, right? No, you don't. Um, but just just little things. I mean, you couldn't stop Tyler Shucks. 246 passing yards. Yeah, he was yards, Cam Newton. 76 rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, Texas Tech had four ball carriers have 50 or more rushing yards. You give up 264 on the ground, five and a half per carry. That made it very difficult. Um, you only had three tackles for loss, one sack for the game total. You didn't force any uh, turnovers for the game. So that that was tough. That was very tough. And then your special teams obviously let you down. You, you know, missed two field goals. One of them might not have been the, the kicker's fault because it was blocked. But, yeah. you know, still, that's just the special teams in general type of thing. Um, so I guess dudes list, Devin Neal's obviously on there. Um, you could throw yep. some of the other guys. But it's very clearly Devin Neal's at the top there. <laughs> uh, biggest takeaway for me, though, in this game was – KU still, even though they're a lot better, and like the week before you'd beat Oklahoma State by 21, KU is still not an overly talented team that they can't do the little things right. You have to, if you're Kansas, to win games. You still have to play clean football. And what I mean by that, by playing clean football, assignment sound, fundamentally sound, not turning the ball over, and not having penalties. Yeah. Um, and honestly, have, those things can be true of any level of team. Whether of you're a good team, great team. An average team, of no course. matter what your talent level is, those are things you basically have to do every week. Yes, of course. But also, if the, Alabama the does yes. it against Texas Tech, no, they still the, win. The difference, yeah, the difference yeah. being that for KU, they had to do all those things and play their A plus level yes. game a lot of times uh, to even be in a game. Yeah, uh, they they had so few penalties in 2021, but that number skyrocketed up a bit in 2022. Yeah, it came back to bite them pretty badly. This Tech game, they had 10 penalties for 75 yards. That is uh, very painful to watch. And then yeah. you were minus two in the turnover column. So And basically, honestly, you could almost view a missed field goal as a turnover, in my opinion. Yeah. It's basically making a drive have zero points instead of having points and giving the ball back to the other team. I don't know. To me, it's sure, kind of like yeah. a turnover. If you want to even call it a half turnover, you could call means, it like a, I mean, just a glorified punt. Yeah, where you sort of, but it gives them better field position. Yeah, because they start, true. you know what I mean. Well, I mean, and they don't have to risk KU, dropping the KU's, ball, right? With KU's punting, it maybe it wasn't always necessarily. That's true. Field so I mean, realistically, with the two missed field goals, you had three or four turnovers in the game. You're minus four there, and you had all those penalty yards. You can't do that. You can't win a road game in the Big 12 like that if you're Kansas. At the same point in time, even despite all those things, you were down eight with the ball with four minutes left, which yeah. shows you that this team does clearly have a lot of talent to win these types of games. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And this was the game where, again, Andy Kolnicki's brilliance shined through. The Jared Casey play, is just the guy's just a wizard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're a wizard, Andy. 
Um, yeah, Andy Kolenicki was really good. Uh, also, I guess, I don't know if I would count this into the games that we talked a lot in the early part of the season. They had fumble trouble, but they recovered a lot of them. There were some games later in the year, like the Baylor game, where they gave up those fumbles and it came back to haunt you. This one, you were you had one fumble and you lost it, but it was also a strip sack. So I don't know if that's the same level of fumble as like a ball carrier just losing it. Probably not. Uh, but also, you know, the run defense being bad, unable to stop like a dual threat quarterback. I think I think that was something uh, certainly of note. Yep, we dude. The second we said on this show last year that the run defense was rubber stamped, good, they were just terrible. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, that were wasn't just great. So bad. That was not great. <laughs> And the hindsight 2020 goggles, you could probably throw the run defense in there too, but also the kicking issues, that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and remember, Tyler Shuck was, like I said, on and off injured most of the year. I don't even know how many games he actually started for Tech. I think it was... It was like Donovan the, Smith at points, yeah, Tyler they, Shuck. Didn't they have yeah, another guy? They had a, they had a I think third they guy. did, yeah. Baron Morton. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think yeah. he started the TCU game. Yeah, yeah. so it was, just, it was just, you know, craziness. Uh, but I think after this game, and then obviously in the preseason... Tyler Shuck has been getting a lot of hype. He has. Being a really good quarterback for Texas The coach Tech. said he's a first-round talent. Yeah. So, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, we I will. I mean, if, if that's the case, KU saw it firsthand last yeah, year. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I should also probably give some mention. Reese Vernon actually did have a good punting. He only punted twice, so that's a good thing for the offense. Averaged 48 yards a punt. One was inside the 20, so... You know, we've talked a lot about that the punting, the special teams needs to get better. This was actually a game where he was good at it. So you hope that, you know, carries over. Uh, we'll see if it's Damon Greaves. We'll see if it's Reese Vernon. We'll see if it's somebody else at the putter position this year. But this would be a game you circle back to if it does end up being Reese Vernon being like, can you do more of that? Um, other things to teach us for 2023. I guess Tyler Shuck being good. That's important. KU will be playing tech this year, right? Yeah. Uh, I guess can, we'll see how good he is. Yeah. Can Kansas drop the number of penalties? Can they go back to what they were in 2021? Yeah. And then I think this also like is more proof that these two programs aren't very far off in terms of right now. Tech's recruiting really, really well right now for last year, this year, and and so on. So we'll see where that goes with Texas Tech. Um, obviously, 2021, the game that was in Lawrence, it was homecoming, and that was an ugly game for KU. I think it was like 41 nothing before KU got like two garbage time <laughs> touchdowns to make it a little better. But that was a problem. Outside of that, though, there have been a lot of actually like close games over the last handful of years. Um, KU won in 2019. KU nearly won in Lubbock in 2020. I think it was like 17-14. And then you have a close game here in 2022 that, again, was a, a one-possession game with four minutes left. So yeah, it shows you these two programs are close, and Tech yeah, and is being viewed as kind of a, I don't know, maybe sexy top-five pick this year. Yeah, and I think, honestly, a lot of KU fans have looked at Texas Tech throughout the past history and said, Why can't you do that? If we can just be that, right? Yeah. If KU can just be a consistent five to seven win team, you know, and every couple years they might be a, a trendy dark horse pick to maybe contend in the Big 12 and have a chance, you know. I think I think for a lot of KU fans during the stretch of KU's futility of the, you know, 2010s basically, there were a lot of KU fans that were kind of envious of Texas Tech, of like, man, there's a program that, yeah, maybe they're not always going to be, you know, a top 25 team, but they're usually in contention for a bowl game every season. They, you know, they just kind of do their own thing. They're in West Texas, you know, that's what they do. And there's, they're a solid to occasionally really, really good team. Mm -hmm. And I think there were a lot of KU fans that saw that and were like, man, if KU could be that, if KU could be a team where every year they're going to a bowl game or contending for a bowl game and, you know, they have a chance every once in a while to compete in the Big 12, that would be great. And so it seems like you're getting close to that now. You're getting close to that level if you're KU. I mean, you string together this season and another season of, you know, six, seven, eight wins. You're, you're in that conversation as being that type of team. And I know KU probably has aspirations to go beyond that to try to actually compete and win the Big 12 title, but 
if you can get to that level first, I think you would be have a very, very satisfied fan base. Yes, 100%. All right, uh, we're going to take a timeout. We got about two hours down in the show, one to go. We got our KU football superlative segment coming up. We've also got a couple bits of KU football audio from the running back room that we'll get to you uh, coming up here shortly. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is KLWN, KLWN.com, the KLWN app. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. If you miss anything on any of our shows, you can check it out in the Best of RCST podcast, now available on KUSports.com, in addition to uh, all the great spots that you can get any of your podcasts. And if the platform you listen to gives you the ability to give a five-star review, please do so, because it's helpful on our end of things. Oh, true, yeah. Give us a review. Okay, so uh, we're going to continue on with uh, day two of our KU football superlative segment where we have a bowl with a bunch of pieces of paper that are folded up, crumpled up, that have different KU football superlatives. And uh, basically, we're going to draw and then discuss whatever is said on the piece of paper. So for today, the one I'm drawing, most improved player overall. So it can be any Ah, player. Interesting. Yeah, so yesterday we had most improved, just sophomore to junior specifically. Most improved player overall. Hmm. Interesting. Well, you've got some options, certainly. I think you could go with, I guess, if you want to look at, like, the most impactful options, you would probably go with, like, a Jamie Robinson, a Caleb Taylor, Rich Miller, Tywan Berryhill. You could even go with, like, O.J. Burroughs or Marvin Grant in the secondary. On offense, you could go with Tanaka Scott, maybe, if you wanted to, you know, if maybe if he makes a big impact. Someone like Doug Emelian. Uh, I, I mean, you can't really. I don't really think you could pick Highshaw because he was out. Uh, you probably shouldn't. Probably couldn't pick Morrison either. You could obviously pick Jalen Daniels if you wanted to. On the O line, uh, I think a case could be made for Dominic Pooney, considering how good he was at the guard. But if he goes to the tackle position and he's just locked down at left tackle, mm-hmm. you have a case there. Uh, you have a case for a guy like Armaje Reed Adams uh, if he ends up playing a sizable, significant role in the starting offense. Uh, maybe someone like Michael Ford, potentially. So there's a lot of good options. Or or the guy that I actually picked in my sophomore to junior for most improved player, Trevor Cardell, at the tight end position, could be a solid pick. So I think there's a lot of options. I let's, let's start with ruling out who I don't think you could probably give this to. You probably wouldn't give it to Jalen Daniels unless he wins the Heisman, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean let's, let's just be real here. What what would Devin Neal have to do in order to earn this title for you? I mean, you'd have to rush for 1,200 yards at least. More than that, probably 1,300, 1,400. But, like, I guess my question I would come back to at the end of the day would be, was Devin Neal's production better because he was that much better, or was it better he because he just was healthier and was able to withstand more carries? He averaged over six yards per carry last year. You know yeah. what I mean? So, exactly. Like, how much more improved can you really get? Yeah. You look at the wide receivers, I mean, you could make a case for any of those guys. Luke Grimm, Lawrence Arnold, or Quentin Skinner, if one of them does have like 60 to 65 catches, close to 1,000 yards, you know, 8 to 10 touchdowns, you could probably make a case for any of those guys if any of them emerge as like that true level number one guy. But I think you and I both kind of agree that we kind of expect those guys to probably have fairly similar numbers across the board. You know, one of them might have... 10 to 15 more catches than some of the other guys, but like like what happened last year where Luke Grimm mm-hmm. led the team in catches, but it was Lawrence Arnold who had the most yards, Quinn Skinner had some touchdowns, so I think it'll be kind of hard to sit there and pick one of those three, unless one of them, again, just blows up 
I think it'll be hard to sit there and pick one of those three guys as your most improved because we kind of view them as all being together and probably going to be putting up comparable numbers for the most part. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's kind of where I'm at with, I don't know, man. But, I mean, like I said, if Tanaka Scott gets in that discussion mm-hmm. or if Doug Lemelian gets in that discussion, I think you have to look at those guys as a possibility. Sure. Yeah, Trevor Cardell makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, he's been getting uh, a lot of praise in camp. You know, if he ends up being a guy that just because of how well he's playing, if they get to, if they have to utilize him more because over a guy like Derek Casey, where he gets more playing time, I think you have to look at him as a very, very solid option. Because uh, at the end of the day, you know, Jared Casey's a Colt hero, but it's clear that any Cole is going to start whoever's playing the best, mm-hmm. or, or he's going to get the most snaps to the guys that are performing the best. Right. Um, you know, I want to actually go with. I want to actually I think go the with the be interior. On the I, I actually want to go with somebody on the interior. Of the offensive uh, on line? On offense or defensive line. Okay. The two guys I would like to go with. Offensively. Should we pick one for offense, one for defense? We can. Sure. That's not what the card, that's not what the papers say. Uh, but I we guess. make the rules. It doesn't matter. <laughs> True. Um, Armage Reed, Reed Adams. Armage Reed Adams, I think, the one is the one that it has to be offensively. Because think about it. You have 10 of 11 starters returning. Um, with Jalen, the improvement would just be do you stay healthy? Like production wise, yeah. Same with Daniel Highshaw, Devin Neal, again, like Same. yeah, right. Uh receivers, yeah, you could improve, but like how much more are they gonna improve? They were really good last year. Same with the tight ends, right? Um Mike Davisky was all big twelve. Dominic Pooney was all big twelve honorable mention. Um Yeah, I think the argument for Pooney would be just the fact yes, that if I he moves that. positions and like Continues to improve or be even better. Yeah, that you you can make the argument. There. Yeah, he's the closest for me getting. I mean, it, it, I think I think the comparison with Pooney would be like KJ Adams, right? If he moves positions and then is like in the upper echelon of the Big Twelve at that position, that would be the argument. Yeah, no, I think that's a very fair point. I, I'd be absolutely okay if you you wanted to make that your guy. But like with Armand Reed Adams, like all these other guys who are either contributing or starters or whatever, like that was kind of their role last year. Armand Reed Adams was was he even on the two deep last year? Was he the third string or maybe a time? I he think was he was on string? the two deep. Maybe at times, deep, yeah. But uh, he's he's been getting a lot of talk in camp as well. I mean. Uh, I, I it was Panago or not Panagos, uh, Fuchs, the offensive line coach, who said that he came. Amar's Reed Adams came in at like close to 400 pounds, I think, and he lost like 75 pounds, basically, uh, which is very, very impressive. Yeah. Oh, very, very. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, hearing how. By the way, quick side note: Did you see the the TCU guy? The TCU. Yeah, guy? the guy who's like 450 <laughs> pounds. I but he moves was, pretty well. I, I watched a video of like him in high school. He was like kind of moving. Yeah, he's fun to watch. Um, yeah, man. But I, I just like he's the one guy who among all this group, even if he was the backup, because again, I forget if it was second or third string. I guess he was probably on the two deep. Um, he's being emerged as we heard from Lance Leipold earlier this week that he's basically been a starter. So that just shows you that the improvement is there. That it is literally leading to him on an offensive line that has four or five returning starters. It's leading to him jumping into the starting lineup so much so that you have guys who are highly recruited transfers like your Spencer Lavelle, like your possibly Kobe Baines, like your Logan Brown, that those guys might not be in the starting lineup. And he is, right? Could so that you, sorry. Well no, uh, I was just gonna I, I feel like that kind of implies on its own that he is like one of the most improved. I was going to I was going to float this idea to you. Mm-hmm. Could you make an argument for the most improved player being a Logan Brown? Or Kobe Baines. Obviously, they weren't really they weren't really on the. I mean, for in the, in the case of Logan Brown, he wasn't really on the team last year. But if he ends up be, winning out as a starter at the tackle position, 
would you be comfortable making an argument with that, even though he wasn't technically a part of the team? Um, I have a harder I mean, you time. You can make with a Logan better Brown. argument for Kobe Brown. Yes, I have a hard, I have an easier time with Kobe Brown. With Logan Brown, when I view most improved, I know we should view it as this is what you were at your last stop. You were still playing college football. I think a it's harder for us to know because you're not documenting it as much as you know. I can look at the Pro Football Focus numbers, yeah. but um, even then, though, Logan Brown was like pretty good at Wisconsin. He might play actually a lesser role now at Kansas at, at this point in time. So. I don't know. I, I could get on board with Kobe Baines. Uh, you're learning the playbook. He he was very improved. But he almost, it feels like to me, he made a big improvement over last season. And so far this year, we don't know if he's going to start or not. So yeah. I don't know. You know, it might have been a bigger jump of his improvement from last fall to last winter than it is from last winter to now. I don't know. Uh, so I, I would go with Armage Reed Adams on the offensive side. On the defensive side, I think it's, it's clear to me it would be one of two guys. Okay. Uh, one of the two defensive tackles who we heard a lot about over the last season, we've heard a lot about this year. Both internal growth guys, Tommy Dunn and DJ Withers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you have to throw Jeremy Robinson in there in case he does become that guy. But the the conversation with Jeremy Robinson is kind of cool lately. So we'll that's maybe, I that's don't know. where I go with it. When yeah. I hear the coaches not having those types of comments that would make you believe yeah, it's it, it's kind cool. of making me sour on the idea that that's going to happen. Maybe he's better, but I don't know if I'm I'm believing anymore that you're going to have that jump to what Kyron Johnson and Lonnie Phelps were having. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe kind of set him aside. Then you go to the linebacker position. I mean, what if Rich Miller or Taiwan Berryhill become high-level linebackers? I don't, I don't know if they have that in them though for a whole season. Yeah, uh, you know that's my concern there. Uh, we talked about. I think we we talked about this a little bit yesterday with the sophomore to junior discussion. A guy like Kobe Bryant. I mean, he would have to be basically an All-American, I think, for you to consider him as being one of the most improved players because of how good he was last season. I think you could easily pick Marvin Grant or OJ Burrows here. If one of them becomes like a really really elite level guy at, at what he does, so those those are some options. But I I kind of agree with you. I mean, you look at the D line. If it's not going to be Jamie Robinson, the interior of the D line, those are guys that remember. Even last year, there was a lot of talk about, hey, these guys are coming along like they could be the future guys, and yes. now this is the year for them to prove it. Basically, a hundred percent. You know, Tommy Dunn, he is a six foot three, three hundred and ten redshirt sophomore. He came in originally. As a three-star recruit, um, he's he's from Texas in Garland, Texas. Redshirted in 2021, then 2022, he played some snaps, but you know it wasn't like a, a huge number of snaps or anything like that. Um, he's done so well that that he's been by a lot of people pegged to be a starter this year, right? So you're talking about you know making a big jump. And yeah, of course you lost a lot of defensive tackles, but you still brought in some transfers with Devin Phillips, Gage Keys. You still have other guys who are upperclassmen who are back as well, like your Keenan Caldwells and your Ron McGee's, who's like a senior at this point. Um, I'm excited to see what Tommy Dunn can do, man. I, I think he can take a big jump. And DJ Withers, we've heard a lot about lately. 6'4", 300 pounds. Again, he was in that same class. He uh, came in, redshirted 2021. He played less than Tommy Dunn last year, but like, I expect DJ Withers to either be on the two deep or if he's not on the two deep, be like the first D tackle off the two deep that he's still rotating in. And if one of them is going to be a starter and the other is going to be the player, I guess Tommy Dunn would probably be the one you would have to circle if you have to pick one of them just because he's going to be more likely to play more and have that bigger impact. So maybe he is the best answer here, at least on the defense. But I actually expect big things from him. I've I've talked before. I I actually think the defensive tackle group uh, is going to be an improvement from where it was last season, and he's a big reason why. So uh, I would actually go go Tommy Dunn 1, Armage Reed Adams 2, DJ Withers 3. Okay, so you're going with Tommy Dunn, basically, yes. number one. I think I, I'm going to go with Dominic Pooney okay. and, on the offense, 
And on the defense, uh, I'll throw a bone to O.J. Burroughs mm. as, as being really improved. I think I'm going to go with Pony, though. I mean, if he goes to left tackle and performs at a very, very high level, that's very, very impressive. And that speaks very highly to, to his ability as an offensive lineman. And that would be very, very huge for KU as a whole as well to know that you've got that side of the offensive line on the edge locked down. Yes. Yeah, I guess if, if we were to rephrase this question as what would be most impactful, like Dominic Pooney doing that would be super helpful. It helps keep your yeah. quarterbacks healthy if their backside is, you know, protected to that level. Um, Absolutely. Have we – I don't know. I don't even know how we would phrase this in terms of most improved, so it makes it a little bit more difficult, but um, – You're about to say something stupid. No, no. Oh. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I, I wonder if there's some way we can integrate, like, special teams into this, oh. right? No, I was thinking about that. Like, what if we just said the punter position, most improved? Right. But then again, that's not like the same ilk as being a player. And, uh, and I guess I don't know. Maybe like like what, what about? Uh, okay, here's something else. OJ Burroughs, you you mentioned him. He's obviously you know could improve a lot as safety. What if he improves a lot as a punt returner? I don't know if he's going to be the punt returner, but he was last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the kick and punt return situation still seems to be up in the air, as far mm -hmm. as we know. So could be a guy like OJ Burroughs. Uh, you know, I you immediately flash back to him trying to field that punt at like the five yard line against K State, and that not going well. I mean, in a microcosm, you could look at that and say, "Okay, you lost the game right there." <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to be blunt about it, uh, but yeah. So who knows? I don't know. Yeah, should we if, get to our second question here? Yeah, yeah. Let's get to our second question. I totally forgot oh, you we're going to do a second one. Oh, is that so why you just kept? Out. Okay, okay. I was like, dude, we're going to do a second question. I know. All right, let me for the for the listeners. Hmm? I don't know if they again. Can I that. don't know if that even comes. Across, I think they can. So we, I mean, people I might think we're stupid. <laughs> They might think that anyway, people, so it's not a big deal. I think people already think we're stupid. Okay, let me mix it up a little bit. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. Player who you can't figure out if they're good or just average. Oh, I love or this just one. just okay. Okay, I love this one. So it's a player... Okay. Um, This could be a little rude, so I don't... I, I want this to come across ta as tasteful as possible, but like... Okay. Basically, a player who like is... They're solid. They're solid... But you can't but figure out if solid, they're just solid, you, you which is like fine. They have a ceiling that they haven't got to yet. Well, I don't or even know like that. It's like, it's can you tell if they're just solid or can you tell if they're good? Because I have a couple guys that come come to mind for me. Okay. A lot of them are on defense. So, <laughs> okay. but, but I think that's fair to have open criticism or questions about this because the defense was so bad. And it's like, if you have this many talented players, why were you that bad? Okay, first one is Kenny Logan. How good is Kenny Logan? Is Kenny Logan the first-team All-Big 12 player from 2021? Was that a product of him playing better that year? Was that a product of him being injured last year? Was that a product of what he was asked to do? Was that just a product of he was he just had a ton more stats in 2021 because he was getting more tackles, and, and so coaches voted on that because they saw this guy had a lot of tackles? I don't know. Pro football focus numbers weren't great last year. I think he's good, but... What if it is more like the pro football focus numbers? What if he is just a solid player and he's not like a, a great which, all Big 12 guy? Which kind of what you're referencing, like you need those guys. You need you solid. You do, yeah. You need, it's still you important. Need solid guys that you know what you're going to get from them. But you also need some guys that are going to be your superstars. And mm -hmm. it felt like Kenny Logan was ready to become that next superstar level player going into last year and it just it just didn't really come to fruition the way maybe people thought he was going maybe people thought it was going to in the in the preseason. I would throw the linebackers in this discussion too. Um when you have a game where you put up, you know, twelve tackles or something, and, and I don't necessarily have one specific example here. This is just kind of in general. If the KU defense is struggling but one of the linebackers puts up twelve, thirteen tackles, it's like, well, were you good and just the rest of the team let you down? 
or were you just getting those because everybody's getting torched and somebody had to have the tackle, right? Like, I have a hard time thinking with that one between pick any of the linebackers and being like, and honestly, I, I, I might even throw Craig Young in there. Like, again, Craig Young is a super athletic player. He has superstar potential. But are we enamored too much with the athleticism that, like, he's this unicorn player and we think he's this All-American level player, this All-Big 12 level player, and in reality, he's just a solid starter? Could be. Could be. I will toss a bone to the offense so that we're not just so that okay. it's not just this. This segment isn't just Derek Dog in the defense. <laughs> I'll go to the offense and I'll look at a guy like Quentin Skinner. What if Quentin Skinner is just a deep threat guy and that's really it, right? And there's not isn't much that still else. Super impactful though. It is, but like you know what I mean. But if it's if that's all you are, that may, does that doesn't that put a cap on how good you can be as a player? If the if you're just if you're just a one dimensional receiver like that, sure. I'm, dude, I'm just trying to make it to where it's not just bashing the defense. Well, I just, I just like when I think about these, I think about it from like a standpoint of like who is. If you're one dimensional, that to me makes it to where you're probably you have a cap on right. how good you can be. But my question is, who is not thinking that right now about Quentin Skinner? The bigger like, question is, can he avoid being one dimensional? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so we, that's what I'm saying. This season is going to be to figure out if he if he has that. Okay, so you're viewing this from a standpoint more. See, I'm more so viewing this from a standpoint. What are you viewing it from? I'm viewing it from a standpoint of guys that by some are being viewed as like a really good player and they might just be average. They might just be above average. Okay. You flipped it around. You looked at a guy who a lot of people think might be average, above average, and could be a really good player. But what if he's not? You see what I'm saying? But that's what I'm saying. People already view him as the bottom of that, as the average, above average guy. And what if that's all he is? Right, I, that I, I know. That I, I don't think this, you understand. Doesn't that what fit I'm into saying. the category of this of what you of this of this hypothetical though? Mm, I, if you can't figure out if they're good or not, you go into a season and they you think they're average, and then that's all they are. Then you figured it out. No, I see what you're saying, but the point of this is supposed to be you don't know if they are really good or if they're solid. Okay, and you're saying if Skinner does this, he's really good. Right now, you just think he's solid. You don't think I, he's I think he's that he's all Big Twelve level. Yes, right. Correct. So it's not it's not because it's it's a guy you don't you can't figure out personally. <laughs> like you you can't figure out which of those he is, which category he would drop into there. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think who else would would possibly go into this discussion. I I don't know. Maybe Logan Brown. Well, I was gonna throw Jamie Robinson in there. That's fine. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, because Robinson, yeah. he flashed last season that he could be a really, really elite player, and if this season is prime for him to step into that role every game if he can. Mm-hmm. But can he? Yeah, or is, he, really or is he just an average defensive end? Because we you saw need defensive ends that are just you know average guys. But can he? Is he? Is he? You know, last season there were multiple games where he showed a higher level. Mm-hmm. But it, this season is really the year where he's will have to demonstrate that on a regular basis. Yep, and then that's it, the inconsistencies there. Right. It's yeah, cuz if he is the guy that we see consistently, then that is a really good player. But if not, then he is just kind of an average player. So that's a good one. Um I I mentioned Logan Brown because he has all the talent in the world. I mean, talent-wise, he's maybe your most talented. Logan Brown is, if if he doesn't play, then what does it matter? Well, I think that's the point to me. Like, if he if he ends up being a starter, maybe it's on the bright side of this. Maybe it's on the end of, like, I expect him to be one of the best offensive linemen on the team. Yeah. But if he's not a starter, obviously he's not, and that means he's more of probably an average player at this point for KU. Sure, yeah. Right? But if but if that's the case and he's not a starter, then it doesn't really affect anything. No, it doesn't. But I guess right now I, I still don't know for sure if he's not going to be a starter. I okay. think he—I I, I feel oh. like it's not trending that way. 
I feel like it's not turning that way either. But who knows? When the talent is all there, as much talent no, as he has, no, if he clicks for these lives, I mean, they still have three weeks, right? Uh, really two weeks because yeah, there's one week's going to be prep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If he has a, a great two weeks, it's going to be hard to deny that talent and get him into the starting lineup. Yeah. So those would be the ones that I would sit to where it's like all those guys that we mentioned are very solid players. They're solid starters. They, they have a positive impact. You need those players on the team. Absolutely. But you don't know if they're great players, if they're all conference players, or if they're just those kind of solid above average starters. And the difference between those could be the difference in you winning seven, eight games, depending on how many of them kind of hit. Yeah. All right, that is our uh, our superlative segment for the day. We'll do two more of these uh, coming up. Well, I'm going to be out of town on uh, Monday and Tuesday, so Nick will bring to you. Uh, a couple of those on, on Monday and Tuesday show. I'll just uh, argue with myself. <laughs> there we go. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. We'll be back after this timeout. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think there'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter, RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.